Hello and welcome to episode 147 of the Perth to Paisley podcast, a podcast dedicated to Heart and Midlothian Football Club who have lost back-to-back Scottish Premiership games after a run of four successive victories. Joining me, Adam Kennedy, to discuss the Jampo's bipolar behaviour is Daniel McIver. McIver, long time no speak. How are yes, you? Yes, I'm, I'm doing fine. I was about to say I'm doing fine. I'm actually quite ill. So, first of all, apologies if there's any coughing fits or anything. I'll do my best to edit them out, but I can't promise to get to everyone. But yeah, it's been a while, and I have to take 100% of that blame, because after this St Johnston game, we did an episode. It was a great episode. Recorded it. Perfect. I did quite well in the quiz, and I was very much looking forward to it. Oh, you've ruined that. that for me. I was going to wait till we got to the quiz, and no, I no, 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 that no, you I'm dropped an absolute nuke. No. Disappointed. Oh, no. And then, my PC, for want of a better word, blew up. And then had to desperately stay up till like half three in the morning and try to fix it. Couldn't. Spoke to my mate who works in PCs. Couldn't. So had to put it into a shop. So that was gone for a week. So that was that first week. And then, everything had gone. We'd lost absolutely everything. It came across the next time for recording. Had to take a break. And of course, in that time, hearts are winning. We're keeping clean sheets. We're going away from home. It's tough so rosy in the garden. Points. It's going great. Then, get the PC back. Going, don't you worry. Next week, we'll be able to sit down and record an episode. We've just got two games in between. Perfect. And it all went disastrously wrong. So yes, it's my fault entirely. Blame me. We're back now. I'm ill. How are you? I, I, I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right um i'm really depressed about hearts really depressed Fair. i just i'm really concerned um but yeah I, i'm close to finishing up for for uni for the year which is nice Hooray. um however i work in retail and christmas is an absolute bastard yeah. so that's that's not great but but yeah um look we're gonna try and put a positive spin on as much of this as we possibly can um, I'm going to start. I'm off on actually. holiday this week. That's positive. Oh, that's good. That is good. I, I was going to start with positives and, and say that if anybody is a, a Foundation of Hearts member and hasn't had their plot ceremony yet, please do so because I had a great day with my dad when yes. when, when I went. This this was lost in the episode that, that it was, was it was never lost. aired. <laughs> yeah, but I, I feel like I've got to hammer this home because yeah. it, it really was. It, it was fantastic. Um, I was watching my old man try and shout at people, kid on that he's Stephen Naismith in the dugout and I just I couldn't contain my laugh. Listen, he'd do so a better funny. job than I'm I, currently. I wouldn't I wouldn't be so sure. Um but <laughs> yes, it was uh, it was really good. So if you are a, a Foundation of Hearts member, if you are a, a legend in the stand as they like to dub us, uh, make sure you get along to your plot ceremony. Yeah, because it was absolutely top. But yes, we have got four games well, <laughs> we've got four games to Three games to brush over and one to talk yes. about is, yes. the, is the best way that I could put it. Um, you mentioned that we'd scrape past St Johnston at Tynecastle after Lauren Shangland had diverted a Liam Boyce shot into the net. Um, is that like in saying this, the, the games that we missed weren't exactly action packed, and neither no, was this one. Not. It seems to be a, a common theme of our season. Um, we obviously won at Rugby Park for the second time this season, which if you ask either of the old firm is Mission Impossible, so how the hell we've yeah. done it, I've absolutely no idea. Um, and Will Dennis had an absolute shocker, yeah, the weekend funny. was phenomenal. 
Um, and speaking of the old firm, we hosted Rangers at Tynecastle and got beat like we always do. Um, in my my only notes with regards to this game were I had a tenner on Abdallah Seema any time. Uh, the easiest money I've ever earned. Why Nathaniel Atkinson is brought in after that long in the cold up against one of the most informed players in the country is it, just baffling. Um, didn't put too much on it because if he didn't score, I'd have got really angry. So just a wee tenner, two to one, thirty pound, lovely, easy money. Um, other than that, a really depressing night because Rangers are rubbish and we made them look really good. See, I don't think we did. I think it was two average teams with one chance in between. I I wasn't as angry as everybody else was, which is a common theme after old firm <laughs> performances. But it was interesting to see Twitter because a lot of people replied to my tweet going. Oh no, I'm in agreement. I think we were all right. Rangers are all right, but we didn't take a chance. They did. Whereas some other people were like, two ranking right. teams. Yeah, minging, and we were bad. But of all the games to get annoyed about, I think the one that is most recent is a much fairer game to be angry about, which is very much how I felt after that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have you have you both the, the same milk? To be honest. I really do Interesting. but but that's that's just me I am probably perhaps more annoyed at the weekend having seen the goals um, but hey, hey ho it's uh, it's just what we've become accustomed to really isn't it defeats it's some form, laugh defeats at Pataudry it's just the regular regular spiel yeah. but I, I mentioned the weekend there we'll go around the grounds before we discuss our defeat to the Dons um, four games on the Saturday besides ours Martin Boyle's goal proved the difference in West Lothian uh, as Hibs won 1-0 at Livingston. Livy become the first team to lose six in the top tier without scoring since Aberdeen in 1999. There's a wow. stat for you. There is a stat. Aye, um, they're down. Like, that's it. <laughs> no ambition is to even score a goal. Um, yeah. Motherwell remain winless in 13 Scottish Premiership games. The last victory that they had was against Guess Who at Tynecastle. Yep. Um, but they did salvage a point with a 90-second minute equaliser after St Johnston finally scored their first league goal away from home this season. We are in December. Um, Rangers <laughs> were given a scare by Dundee at Ibrox. But the host hit back uh, a James Tavernier penalty, putting them ahead. I'll say no more about that. Um, St Mirren, annoyingly, get back to winning ways uh, as they're the first team to score against Ross County and Derek Adams, third spell as manager, as they beat the Staggies 2-0 in Paisley. And Sunday's sole match saw the league leaders handed their first Scottish Premiership defeat of the season at the ground where they were knocked out of the League Cup earlier on in the campaign. Kilmarnock defeating Celtic by two goals to one and Derek McInnes' men seem to just have their number. The first time they've beaten Celtic twice in one season since 1964-65. Absolutely unbelievable. What did you make of the other quintet of Scottish Premiership games, McIver? Uh, Rangers beat Dundee. Cool. Who cares? I don't. <laughs> um, St Mirren? Yeah. It was a bit annoying. I kind of expected, though, because at Paisley, they're just better. They're just quite good yeah. at home. Yeah, um, Hebs... Obviously, they did score twice, but Venti's goal was ruled offside correctly. Um, yeah, I, th- I just think Livingston are down. I just yeah, can't yeah. see any team getting close to them in terms of how bad they are. Like, no. it's unbelievable. No, I, I mean, I, it also doesn't help when we ultimately aid Aberdeen's, you know, ascension up the league yeah. table. Um, it does seem like 
Ross County and St Johnson have made the changes and are happy with said changes in the dugout. Yeah. You don't get the impression that Livingston will sack Martindale and you sort of get the impression that they would hold on to him if they do drop into the second tier. Yeah, he's I think just, so. I, I just can't... I actually can't see anybody other than David Martindale managing Livingston ever again. Yeah, I, I'm very much in that same boat. Uh, speaking about managers who stay forever, it just feels like Kettlewell is about to be sacked every game, but he keeps kind of getting a goal to keep it going until the next week. I don't know what's How going on. How many late goals have they had in this game as well? It's actually meant, I'd love to know. That it's like, that. lads, just do it like half an hour earlier, and then you get another one. Like, I know, it's, it's, as though it's, it's like they've procrastinated for so long yeah. and they've got to get their homework in that night and they've stayed up all night, they're on the Red Bull just to get it yeah. submitted and sent off. It's Yeah, don't know, what I don't know what's to. going on. Uh, St Johnston will be gutted, obviously, to not win it, but they're just kind of starting to pick up points here. And they're doing very Craig Levine things. <laughs> they're just getting results when they need to, away from home. As you say, first away goal, like that's big for them. So... Our day, Saturday was kind of just like, kind of what I expected to happen. The Sunday <laughs> was very much not, um, mainly because I think what it has done, especially the last couple of days and that 24 hours we had, where everyone's furious, everyone's like, from a heart's persuasion, be like, this is a nightmare. I think it puts into perspective how good a result the week before was, getting a win at Kilmarnock, and then, as you said, doing it, for the second time this season as well so like, nice we had to do it twice yeah it's so it is just proof in this league that basically everybody can beat anybody at any time runs are hard to actually go on unless you're one of the old firm where you just you dwarf everybody else in terms of finances and then Celtic still go to rugby park and cannot buy a win it seems so weird so we also funny because it's Matty Kennedy doing it who is rubbish <laughs> and just the fact that he is the one to end Celtic's unbeaten run is funny Kelly Kelly battered them saying Dad, did you watch it Sunday? no I didn't see any oh I've, not, I've only seen Matty Kennedy's goal that's Hon- all I've seen honest to god mate like I thought Celtic were fairly comfortable and then went 1-0 up from the minute that Kelly went behind they just thought sod this and yeah. just started oh they bullied them absolutely battered them um, so the goal had been coming to equalise but I'll be honest I thought Derek McInnes would then shut up shop and go do you know what yeah. happy to take a point but, but fair play because um, they, they still went for it and, and reaped the rewards I wanted to ask you actually because I've seen a lot about this and I feel like over the past few years we seem to be going over this again and again and again and again how bad do you believe the standard actually is this, I've never agreed with it in past years, right? I've always kind of been like, oh yeah, it's not amazing, but I still think it's like... Because uh, I, 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 I honestly think Celtic and Rangers are rubbish, but they'll comfortably finish I don't think 20, 30 points ahead of whoever finishes third, and that might not even be us. I think they're rubbish in like European senses, if you compare it to the rest of the country. And by country, I mean Britain. And then, this like, will be a Celtic stage. beach fire, or does this episode? Oh, yeah, exactly. Totally. But it's meaningless, so it doesn't matter. But in this league, they're still a hundred times better than everybody else. I know that they're still dropping points, but that's, we're in December and that's their first loss. Like, even an average Celtic team will be like, 
oh my god, we've lost a game and now we're in crisis mode. Like, kind of thing. Oh, but, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, some of the fans' comments, I'm just like, wow. Like, it's an absolute implosion of the highest order. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. But, but I'm not, like, I'm not having Rangers, I'll be honest. I, I'm going to say this now. I've got a horrible, horrible, horrible feeling that Aberdeen are going to do them in that League Cup final. Do you know that? I it really, be... I don't, I can't escape it. I, there's just something that tells me Aberdeen are going to win that, and I beg I'm wrong. I think either Aberdeen are going to beat them, or Rangers will be three 0 up by half time. Yeah, I yeah, don't see it, what, it as yeah, being what, a tight yeah. game that Rangers edge. I no, see either die. Rangers batter them or Aberdeen win. But the rest of the league, I do agree with you. It's and again, it is that thing of like. Would you rather have a lower quality league but it's way more competitive or a higher quality league but there's such disparity? There's two ways of looking at it. The pessimist will say that the standard's rubbish and that, like, again, that's me, that everybody can take points off everybody because it's just a collective of muck. But if your glass is half full, you would say that this is exactly what, what you'd crave. Like, like teams... It, <laughs> The analogy that if Celtic and Rangers were down in England, like the rest of the league is then wide open. Yeah, it'd be quite much. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be so good. But it's just I, I don't know. It's it's all. There's it's, not it's many really good odd. teams. I don't. I can't think of many good teams in the week. It's not like we're all really close to each other because it's like oh, Aberdeen are flying and playing really nice football. Hibs are looking strong at the back and doing great. Hearts are nice movement. It's like. No, no, everyone's close to each other because you can't count on any team to win two consecutive games, basically. I, I honestly think it's like a, a selection of who is the least shite from yeah, first, to, first to 12. Yeah. And speaking of shite, Hearts <laughs> <laughs> headed up north as we took on Aberdeen. Stephen A. Smith making three changes from the team that lost to Rangers at Tynecastle in midweek. Toby Civic, the ineligible Alex Lowry and Kenneth Vargas were given the nod to start as Nathaniel Atkinson, George Grant and Kioski Tagawa dropped out of the starting eleven. That is how I'm saying that for Tagawa. Yes, correct. Um, That meant that Hearts lined up uh, against Aberdeen as follows. It was Xander Clark in goal, a back three of Kai Rolls, Frankie Kent and Stephen Kingsley, Alex Cochran at left wing back, Toby Sipic at right wing back with a midfield trio of Alex Lowry, Benny Beningame and Callum Neuenhoff with Kenneth Vargas and Lawrence Shankland leading the line. Were you happy with that selection, McIver? I don't know if happy, if more just like expected. I just felt I was just like, yep, that makes sense at the very least. Uh, Atkinson coming out made all the sense in the world because, God love him, I wouldn't want to just be chucked in against Rangers after not playing football for two that and a half was, months. Like I say, baffling decision. Yeah, but then anyway, we've got nobody else, do we? So this is the pro- this is the problem. But like, he's been playing Civic, Oda, or Forest. I know it's not ideal, but. I'd, I'd say it's more ideal than chucking in oh, a guy completely. 100%. But but my point is, like they all give you different options. Yeah, totally. It, it's, not like, it's not like somebody's nailed down a spot. Totally. It, it, it very much depends on the fixture, whether it would be a Toby Civic at right wing back yeah. or an Alan Forrest or even Yutaro Oda, who's definitely not a wing back. No, not at all. Um, Vargas was the one where I was a bit worried, but it's not because of him. <laughs> It was because the of... conditions? Yeah. It's not a game for him, that, is it? I, just, I, I, I was watching it, and just when he came out that tunnel in his gloves, I was like, you must think you're in the moon, mate. <laughs> like, 
There's no bigger jump than going through Costa Rica to Aberdeen in the Megan soaking rain. Life is so fried like that, honestly. Like yeah. you must just like like what have, how the hell am I landed here? Yeah, what am I doing? But my my issue was I didn't think there'd be a lot of space in behind because Aberdeen's back three don't offer a lot of space in behind and no. for forty five minutes they didn't offer a lot of space in behind. But generally with the team I was like we're almost at the stage of everybody picking themselves because we're not quite yet at the stage where everybody's coming back and can fully play yet. But that kind of... The spectres of the past are sat on the bench just kind of waving at the people be like, we're nearly fit. We're coming for your position soon. And one person was thrown in again at the weekend when he should not have been thrown in and it was proved costly. But the actual team that started... <laughs> fine. Nice. Um, to, in terms of selection, I, I don't think there can be many complaints, to be honest. My only complaints are how on earth I'm going to drag out this episode because I realised that we we're flying through time and this game That's was fine. really rank. Can speak about the first half. I've got a lot of good things to say about the first half. I've got next to nothing on the first half. I've so, got loads of good stuff to say about the first okay. half. Well, what I was going to say is that the first 15 minutes or so was really quite cagey. Um Stephen Kingsley. No, it wasn't. No, I, well. We were really good. That was the only positives. If you're saying it's KJ, then I've got nothing positive no. to say about the all, 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 all I saw was a Stephen, King, a Stephen Kingsley header from a corner and Frankie Kent blocking a Jamie McGrath effort. No, 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 no. So, the first TV didn't seen... upload a package, can I just say? Yeah, so that, that's, I, I could have I could have seen this through Maroon Tooted Specs, but I watched Sports Scene and from what I saw in Sports Scene, there was next oh, to nothing. I've seen Sports Scene that's the worst highlights package they've done of us this season oh, that's by fine, a yeah. mile. That's fine. Like, so by don't, an shoot, absolute don't mile. shoot the messenger. Yeah. No, in the first half, and particularly the first 20 minutes, did we score in like the 16th minute or something? Uh, no, 20, I think. 19, right, 20. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. That makes my argument even better. Nice. <laughs> because. Up until our goal, I I was just thinking, this is really good. We're playing high energy. We were having nice little triangles. There was a little move. You mean the sort of stuff that we were promised? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, oh, we'll get into that later on. Don't you worry. Um, There was a nice little move between Cochrane to Kent to Kingsley to Rolls back to Cochrane inside to Neuenhoff played over the top to Shankland who flicked it back to Lowry and it was like oh, liquid football this is great this is really nice we're creating stuff and uh, that first 20 minutes I was like this feels like we're playing a team low on confidence who haven't really got anything going for them we're a team yes we're coming off a bad result midweek but prior to that we're on a good run and I was like and very quickly you could tell neither team wanted to play it in the air which again is part of the issue with Vargas so therefore there was no space in behind because of the conditions you couldn't really do anything the pitch was soaking so the ball was skiting about the place so we just very quickly were like right let's go close touch tight and just play in sequences on the ground and it was working and it was going well and then in the 19th minute it all comes together for basically perfection and something that we never see this season <laughs> I, uh, I think I've been misled the treatment here. I do apologise. I just I... the rest of the game, you're spot on. Oh, right. But the first twenty <laughs> minutes, I actually think we actually did quite well. Wonder if that's what like most of our playing squad believe that if we just wrap it up inside the first twenty minutes, then maybe that that's it done. I, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, but 
yeah, like I say, I, I'd only seen one chance at either end. Um, however, on 19 minutes, you are correct. Stefan Gartman fails to deal with a Xander Clark punt. Lauren Shanklin gathers, sends Vargas on his bike, scurrying off down the right-hand side. The Costa Ricans cross deflects off Richard Jensen for a corner. Alex Cochran takes, sends a lovely weighted ball to the back post, and Lauren Shankland evades Graham Shinney to dive and nond beyond Kelarus into the net. 1-0 hearts on 20 minutes, and the travelling fans that bothered their arse to head all the way up there are so far rewarded. Yeah, absolutely, and they just... Th- it did feel like the pinnacle. It felt like it was coming. It was like, yeah, this is deserved. I think I said at the time on Twitter, I was like, from a Hearts perspective, we've scored from a corner. Holy shit. Second time this season. I was going to say, we're actually making a habit of that. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a great ball in from Cochran, and Shanklin does really well. From an Aberdeen perspective, it is Dreadful. the worst defending <laughs> I can remember at a set piece it was so so I, I, poor. I, I, I don't know about that we we, uh, oh, we... since the, since us last <laughs> season kind of thing it just stank of that and it very much was like yeah this is a team that is not confident that is boot every single passage of play that Aberdeen had in the first half and I didn't want to be cliche but it very much is it was a game of two halves where in the first half Aberdeen fans were just booing everything that Aberdeen players were doing. They were getting the ball and we were just solid defensively. They didn't know how to deal with us, so they'd have to go back. And the the camera was like shaking with the boos from Aberdeen fans. And Laurie and Rob are like, this is good. This is exactly <laughs> what we want. And just everything good about the first half was summed up in the goal. The problem is, no much else good happened in this first half. But it was still solid. I didn't think the midfield three played particularly well in the first half. Thank the Lord. I thought they were all quite disjointed. And then probably the other player to pick out was Sibic. But even then, Sibic wasn't great at going forward. But there was like three times in the first half where quite a good chance was about to happen for Aberdeen. But he would just either block or jockey them and push them out and so it's not like a oh yes Toby Sibix jockeyed someone hooray it's such a huge moment but it's a little moment of like he's doing well that's a good thing but the midfield three that's where the slight panic alarm started going off my head I was like none of them look particularly great today Lowry I thought in the first half was the weakest he was just he was fair play to him he was trying stuff but I don't think anything paid off Benny... He's the only one that does, though. Yeah, absolutely. Try absolutely. something like that. Yeah, yeah, offensively. Totally. I, I feel that's why his selection is often warranted, because none of the others... Will try, yeah. yeah. None of the others will try and pick that pass at all. That's fair. But there was a couple of times where it was like, go and just stop trying to do a Traveller <laughs> and put in it backspin past it and just pass it five yards to Lauren Shankland, please. Like, please just do that. <laughs> Keep it simple. Yeah. And then for the last 10 minutes of the first half, it started where Shanklin just starts dropping deeper and deeper. You pick the ball up and you're like, oh God, okay. And you're right. leaving Vargas up in the hope that he yeah. knows Josh Janelli from last season and we've learnt so far that he doesn't. And, uh, yeah, and it's just... And I, I, I actually remember thinking, going, okay, it's almost a good thing that this has happened at the end of the first half because Naismith can then get in and be like, right, Freshen up stuff, not even personnel necessarily, but just kind of remind everybody. It was like, look, Shanklin shouldn't be dropping this deep. That shouldn't be what was happening. So everybody push up. 
what actually happened was Naismith saw that and went, oh, that's a fucking great plan. Well, just keep doing that, Shanko. Just keep dropping to in line with Benny for most <laughs> of the rest of the game. <sighs> I, I mean, you spoke about Benny there. You spoke about Alex Lowry. Callum Neuenhoff, I thought, was... He really, did not have a good afternoon. Really, really poor. And his booking just sums up his mm-hmm. afternoon for me. It's absolutely ridiculous. It just appears far too far too casual. Jamie Lackadaisical. McGrath, lackadaisical, great word. Jamie McGrath crosses into the box, receives from Boyan Miofsky, giving Graham Shinney's looking to make things happen. Kai Rolls heads McGrath's cross away, but Callum Newenhoff is blissfully unaware that young Jack Milne is making up serious ground. He's busting a gut. He ultimately intercepts, pokes through to Shinney, who's then rugby tackled by Callum Newenhoff. It's needless. Takes the book in, but like, does nobody fancy giving him a shout or letting letting him know <laughs> that like Jack like this is basic shit that Jack Milne is making up that ground, yeah. and the, the chance that then comes from it. Sorry, before you obviously get start talking about it, Johnny Hayes takes the resulting free kick. Leighton Clarkson has the entire freedom of the Granite City, and he just runs onto it, sends his effort narrowly wide because he misconnects, and he should do better. But Hearts and switching off at set pieces, I cannot for the life of me name a more iconic duel. See, the the worry I have is that I don't think it's switching off at set pieces. I think it's tactical. Just naivety. It's You see it at every corner we defend. We never leave a man up. You see it at every set piece that involves a cross in the box. We never leave a man out the box. So I, I, hate, does, I hate that we don't do that to yeah, have an out ball. Because we've said it a hundred times this season, for a corner, what it means is if you don't have a keeper who claims it, and believe me, we do not have a keeper (laughs) who claims it, and it ends up being pushed out, punched out, kicked out, headed out, you're you're going to get another ball in because you don't have an out ball. With that free kick, I think it, it might not have been Aberdeen at home earlier this season. I can't remember who it was. But there was a team that did the exact same that they got a free kick in a similar area and everyone in the ground at Tancastle was like, maybe it was Kilmarnock actually, was like, eh, there's someone on the edge of the box there who is clearly going to get it pulled back to it and hit it. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Now again, that individual put it past the post. So I don't know if Naismith's like, I don't trust a single person in this league to score for the edge of the box. So therefore, I'm just going to let them be unmarked. It's so... But Naivety it, is the right word for it. But it's, it's baffling to even take that chance. Yeah. Really. Like it, Just put, because also, it's not. I'd understand it a bit more if we had 10 six foot four outfield players and you're like, right, okay, yeah, you want as much height in the box. What is Kenny Vargas going to do when yeah, the ball is played into the box? I don't get that either. I don't get that. Or, or like. Even like a Cami Devlin, you would gladly like yeah. leave on the post or just leave because he'd be the totally. one to press. It. Uh, yeah. However, all in all, I mean, from what I had seen, it looked to be a, a first half a few chances, but you are adamant but, to be deserved to be ahead. Matt, at the time, I was like, definitely deserve to be ahead. It's been an all right half. We've dipped a wee bit Great towards to hear the end. Great to them off as well. Yeah, but that's what, that summed up the first half I felt very well. It was like, they're very unhappy. They've not shown a lot. We've maybe not shown loads, but we've taken our chances. Looked reasonably solid. Yes, we've had a dip. 
towards the end of the half, but that's natural when you're kind of defending the week. Hopefully, it's like, look, boots to the neck, just come out the traps, second half, let's get another one, put the game to bed. What ends up happening is Aberdeen changed their shape ahead of the second half, and Naismith just... I don't even know what he does. He just goes, nah, oh, well, we've won this, it's 1-0. This is basically like we've only got a couple of minutes to see it out. Instead of a second half up against a manager who's made a tactical change that immediately, literally immediately, made Aberdeen the better side. And against a crowd that are so far left underwhelmed by their domestic season, yeah. very angry by the first 45 minutes, and are demanding a reaction from the 11 players that pull on the red jersey you know, for their club at the start of the second half. They started brightly. Graham Shinney makes ground down the left, cuts the ball back for Boyamioski, but he seems to stumble as he shoots, and it proves yeah. a comfortable save for Clark on 47 minutes. That was perhaps the warning. Richard Jensen then decides to take matters into his own feet, blasts from range, and Xander Clark saves well. Good save, but it's a great strike from the big centre half. And the That is a in. really... Listen... I'm going to be quite critical of Xander Clark. Later you are quite critical of Xander Clark. Yeah. As am I, but that is a great save. That is an unbelievable save. That is going top corner. That is what a fair play, Xander. Well. It's a great save. I will say, my immediate reaction was, do not flap at this cross and make it all for nothing. But he didn't. He actually did well after the cross and caught it. So I was like, it's a new Xander Clark. It wasn't. But <laughs> in that moment, I was like, it's a new Xander Clark. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's yeah, a new exactly. life for me. Um, however, it wasn't long before the hosts would draw level, deservedly level. Um, that chance in, from Richard Jensen came on 52 minutes, they drew level on 53. Boyan Miofsky runs out of room, Jamie McGrath works some space on the edge of the area, goes down under the attention of both Benny Beningame and Callum Newenhoff, can still poke it through to Boyan Miofsky, who's in space because Kai Rolls just seemingly leaves him and the North Macedonian keeps his composure, his finish kisses the inside of Xander Clark's right hand post and ultimately McIver, we don't seem to play to the whistle first and foremost and we seem to leave a bloke that Aberdeen want £4 million for unmarked in the area. Absolutely baffling. Now I've seen this back a couple of times and I've lessened my anger on this one since seeing it because my initial reaction was Benny Neunhoff what on earth are you doing that like, was mine what are you doing so I'm intrigued to see what you're going to say here when you see it back literally as McGrath stabs it through the ref is about to blow the whistle for a penalty so I think Benny and Neunhoff and you the way Benny and Neunhoff are they're looking at the ref so I think wow. they're like they've went oh it's a penalty now, your point still stands, though. Play to the whistle. <laughs> like, yeah. the whistle hasn't gone yet. But I just thought they were just like, they couldn't be arsed. Yeah, they just accepted the outcome. Yeah. At least there is a justification. It's not a justification that I think makes it any better. But I can at least go, well, in that half a second, they thought, oh, it's a penalty. So I still don't. I'm still not like, oh, so therefore it's fine, lads. Keep doing that. That's all right. Um, the problem with all three of them, though, including Rose, is just they're just ball watching. Like, completely? All of them are. And yeah, as you say... Same, old, same habits die hard, really. Yeah. Leaves one of the best strikers in the league, their best player by a mile, free. And uh, as soon as you get into that space, it's like, all right, okay, this is a goal. 
it's not like Brendan Rodgers has been batting away questions about Boyan Miofsky in yeah. his recent press conferences or anything like that but it's okay we'll just leave him on the mark for the ball it was Anyways. so it, my fr- it was one of those where the frustration you know how sometimes in games you get really annoyed and frustrated because it's like a team's got something out of nowhere and you're like we've, what this is a complete shooting ourselves yeah, on the foot you, for god's you, sake we've, we've dished them out a lifeline here yeah that wasn't that. That was a anger of, of course they were going to, because they fully deserve yeah. this. Like, we've done nothing in this half yet. It would be a dis- it would have been a disgrace if Aberdeen hadn't got at least a point after that half. I, even after that kind of opening fifty minutes, I was like, yeah, they deserve to take something for this, and that's what was so annoying. You mentioned the opening quarter of an hour on sixty minutes exactly. Esther Sockler shoots into the side netting, and you're right there in the ascendancy. They're looking to flip the game on its head entirely and perhaps they were lucky to flip the game on its head against 11 men as Benny Beningame I think is fortunate to just see a yellow given his challenge on Jamie McGrath on 62 minutes given that he hacks him down and then from there it seems to be a royal rumble at Pataudry. I think it's one of them that if the ref had given a red VR wouldn't have overturned it but because he gave a yellow, VR isn't going to overturn it. Yes. I think <laughs> yes. there's enough in it I agree. for it. I think if he was, I think if he was sent off, he couldn't really have complained. Because yeah, because I I don't think Benny is a malicious player by any manner no. or means. But that challenge, like he knows exactly what he's doing with that challenge. I think the thing that saves him is that his foot is facing down, and ultimately, maybe kind of the position on the park and the fact that. He's not he's not like a last man or anything where yeah, he has to totally. hack him down. He's got like at least that defensive unit yeah. behind him. And it's, th- it's it's not up in the abyss per se, but it's not in like too dangerous an area. Yeah, but as I say, if he'd been sent off, I don't think VR would have overturned it and I don't really think ironically, I don't think we would have had a leg to stand on. That's the type of terrible pattern that you can expect. Yeah. Have not lost it at all. <laughs> Never had it, but haven't lost it. Exactly. Um, yes. Few chances for this fucking review so far. Oh, exactly. And I knew this episode would be dog shit, so happy to provide. <laughs> Few chances until the end. However, eight additional minutes goes up. No. No. Wait. Are you going to talk about changes? Yeah. Okay. Well, I need to see them because again, didn't do right. my, didn't do my homework. No, I know. No, I'm only talking about one. It's one. Change. Which was Craig Halkett coming on. It was Craig Halkett, right? <laughs> so, much like we spoke about Nathaniel Atkinson getting chucked in for their base into facing one. That of was the on seventy-one firm. minutes. Right. Yeah, I thought it was going to be about that time. Seventy-one for Toby. I can't remember who Toby Sevick. There we go. So I was thinking, ah, he's got to change to a four. I didn't know who was going to play it right back, but I was like, that has to be a four now. But that I had an issue with that in and of itself, because for 71 minutes, arguably the best player from a heart's persuasion, as has been the case for so many games this season, was Frankie Kent. In the middle of that three he was loving life. I think he, he is was, our second best player. I think he's, at the very least, in the top three players. Or, 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 he, or he has been this season. That's fair. Yeah. Because I know fair. you're going to say, like, we both love Cochrane, but this yeah. season's been... This season, us. Kent's been a better performer overall because yeah. he's 
just no, been no, in no. every game and no, most no. games you can be like that was shite at least Kent was good <laughs> with the exception of St Mirren away where he was at fault for when he was honking yeah, yeah. Um, but for 71 minutes loving like he did two Cruyff turns in the game nice. it was just like that sums him up Right? On that surface, he was doing Cruyff turns. Should have watched the full 91st thing this morning just yeah, for that. Just for that alone. And then, Halkett comes on. I have so many issues with this. Number one, why are you bringing them on now? It's one all, in minging conditions. What are you doing to him? Bring him on at home to Livingston. That's when you bring Craig Halkett on. Or, Ross County as well later this month. Oh, yeah, we've no? got Ross County later this month. I forgot about that. Do yeah. that. Can't St. Mirren. Even the St. Mirren game. If we're yeah. a couple of goals up, yeah. bring them on, then there's no pressure. You say that like we're going to score a couple of goals. I know. We're never going to do that. Do not... Basically, my point is, the time to not bring them on is when you're defending a one-all draw in a minging set of conditions... Against a team that are in the ascendancy, got the crowd yep. back on side with the goal, and they're pushing because they chance. need a need a victory to yeah. ultimately ascend up the league table. Two a- against the heart side that have a rank record yes, at said venue. Terrible there. The second problem is is that right? Fine. Even if you want to get past that first hurdle, love. No, I think this is the perfect time to bring them on. Right? Why wouldn't you bring them on and put them at right centre half? Because that means that he's not having to be the sitter slash he's not having to be the one that is kind of reliant and heading everything away and being the main focal point of a defensive unit. Because that's he all he do, had been previously. No, and, but he's, and he's also not played good. with Kent yet. He's also that's good. That's the only reason, isn't it? At bringing the ball out sometimes. He Jiggy's, can do that. Jiggy's better at that than Kent. Yes, definitely. So you'd have Kent in the middle all day. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Putting Halkett in the middle did two things. One, it means suddenly after not playing football for 342 days or whatever it was, he is suddenly responsible for the entire defensive unit. And you're moving the best defender out of his more natural position to where I don't think Kent affected the game for the last 20 minutes. I don't remember him doing anything except desperately sliding at the very end to try and prevent a goal. That's terrible. And then finally... Because he didn't change to a four, it meant Stephen Kingsley, who I will just remind everybody, we signed as a left back, because that is his position. Gradually, has been getting further and further to the other side of the pitch. He spent the last 20 minutes as a right wing back. Now, I will say this. That's because we're lopsided, MacIver. I know it is, but I don't care. He did all right, (laughs) right? I'm not actually here to criticise Kingsley, but what it did was make the whole defence shaky and when you're playing that the high line that we played with with a guy who's not played football in a year who, listen, I love Craig Halkett but let's all be honest with ourselves was never one who was fast to begin with no. never mind coming back for this injury Do you remember when he had when he came back from an injury after lockdown and it looked like he'd had a chalkdown the size well, this of the is boy the thing. Oh like, my goodness He's never quick over 10 yards to begin with. He can get quick once he's started to run. He can. He's quite quick when he's at full speed. But that initial 10-yard dash, that's no Craig Halkett's game. And I do not blame him for that. It's not his game. Why Naismith puts all the responsibility on him is just horrific man management. As it was putting Atkinson in 
from the very start against Rangers as it was that we've seen so many times this season. Mental. A mental decision. And a mental decision it would prove as Hearts would then go 2-1 down in stoppage time, like I say, having had eight minutes towards the end. I, I'm not going to lie, McIver. I'm not one of these people that chucks out conspiracy theories. I believe them to be an, a load of tosh. But how on earth there was only three minutes at Tynecastle against Rangers in that second half, and yet in other games they've been dishing out eights aplenty. I mean, eight, even in the reverse fixture between us and them at Ibrox. Yeah. They, they just don't... It makes no sense, this additional I time. Think eight was maybe a wee bit too much, but I expected about six or seven because there was quite a bad injury in the second half. Oh, yeah. Um, at the weekend, that's fine. I, yeah, that's I, I, totally I'm just fine. talking about across the piece generally. It needs to be it's, consistent, yeah. though, because it's not a... To- the three yeah. minutes on Wednesday night was unbelievable. And that's just an absolute disgrace. I, yeah. I mean, they're not even hiding it anymore. Um, however, on 90 minutes... Duke off the bench would send a header wide after Shane Morris, another fellow substitute, gets the better of Alex Cochran down the flank. <sighs> However, Kioski Tagoa loses the ball up in the abyss as Nicky Devlin and Aberdeen send it long for Duke down the right, in behind rolls in the aforementioned Halkett. <sighs> Duke squares for Leighton Clarkson, who, despite Kai Rose's effort to clear off the line and Frankie Kent at the back post, Slots home, the game-winning goal, and it's an eighth consecutive defeat at Pataudry for Hart Midlothian. What is Xander Clark doing? I don't know. You're meant to... Listen, I'm stealing this analysis completely for the terrace, but he's spot on. It's Tony Anderson. You're meant to close the angle as a goalkeeper. Why is he running backwards? Why does he commit halfway through and then goes, no, actually, no. That was the exact same for Seamus winner at Tynecastle. Yeah, a habit just this. terrible back-to-back games. And I can't remember who said it. It may have been on the Terrace podcast. I think a part of it is the fact that Xander has stood there going, right, not had a very good time for Scotland. I've been all right this season for Hearts. I've not been terrible. I've not been amazing. But I've been all right. I mean, a couple of good saves in this very game. He made a couple of very good saves. But he now... The difference compared to all these other months over the last year is that if he's standing still and there's no much really going on, all the actions at the other end of the pitch, which in fairness doesn't happen that often under Stephen Naismith, but say it does, and he's not got much to do, if he just looks to his right, he can see that on the bench is the greatest goalkeeper to ever play for this club, one of the greatest players to ever play for the club, period, and he's just waiting to come back for his position. The stress and nerves that must put on you when you're flying anyway must be tough. But when you're in a bit of an inconsistency, every little mistake you make, you'll start to think, this is going to cost me my position. This is going to cost me my position in the team. So you're going to start making more mistakes. I've I've been asked about this by a couple of journalists actually recently when I think Craig Gordon will re-enter the fray. Now. Okay. He has to now. He has to now. Or you think, you think it'll be the Celtic game? He has to or not be on the bench. He has to stop being on the bench. I I can't see it till the Spartans game, me. I'll be honest. That's a night we can't. We'll, we'll have lost too many points. <laughs> because even if Gordon comes back in and is rubbish, that'll give Clark more confidence because it's like, all right, okay, there's not this expectation that Gordon will just come in and be better than me. Hearts fans will be like, all right, okay. Gordon isn't at the level we expected, so we'll give Clark a wee bit more leeway. Right now, every Hearts fan's like, 
on the bench is a guy who will save us games. Get, yeah, get, get Gordon on there. So what, would you play him at Parkhead then? Yeah, because I think we're going to beat 5-0 regardless of who plays. At yeah. any, we could play with Xander Clark and Craig Gordon. And I still think we'll get beat 5-0. Okay. Um, so I'd do it just because it's like, well, there's no expectations anyway. Even if Gordon chucks a couple in, I don't care. Then he can come in for St. Mary. I understand, though, if people want to go, well, no, play Xander at Parkhead and then give Gordon St. Mirren. I'd also be fine with that. That St. Mirren game's a big one, though, isn't it? I know. So, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like Gordon needs to have that exposure beforehand so if, you, if you are going to chuck him back in. Well. But yeah. I don't know. Um, ultimately, full time at Pataudry, two on defeat. You say game of two halves, decent first, rubbish. Terrible second. second. Terrible um, second. We're up against a side that have just lost their first match yeah. in the league this season. Um, granted, they play Feyenoord in their final Champions League match, a, a meaningless match uh, upon this podcast release. Yep. But given our Parkhead record up against the league leaders and a very angry crowd that are demanding a reaction, you believe that we will get, what, smashed 5-0? Oh, we'll get bad. I don't know how many it'll be, but we'll get bad. Um, I'm going to say I just, optimistic four. That's fair. I'll go with my traditional five and anything else. Anything lower than that's a bonus. Um, I'm just really annoyed at the idea that the loss at Aberdeen wasn't tactical. Because that's a mental thing to say, what, isn't it? Just that it? they wanted it more. Yeah, that's a lie. That isn't why we lost that game. We right. lost that game because at half time, Barry Robson went, I'm changing the shape, it's not working. Yeah. And the shape change and, immediately. And they, and they was came better. out with a purpose. Yeah, totally. And then we made changes to our shape that made us worse with every change. And it's what every Hearts fan's been saying all week since that game. How annoying is it that so far this season Stephen Naismith either got the changes absolutely spot on yeah, or miles off it and there is no middle ground? And again, it just screams of a guy who shouldn't be our manager. <laughs> like a guy, He shouldn't be making these mistakes at us. He should be making them at like a Aloha or something <laughs> like that. Like a team that is just like a team that you go to to start slowly building yourself up. That like, was a great shout, actually, in terms of the breeding yeah. of Scottish managers recently. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's done it for quite a few folk. Paul Harvey, um, Jim Goodwin, Jack Ross. Yeah, see? Go to Alawa, Stephen. Um, fuck off away from us. Because, like, there's been so many times that I've understood and almost sympathised with Naismith with the stuff that you just can't control, where it's like Peter Haring pulling the shirt at Ibrox. It's like, there's nothing you can do about Don't that. Really. There's... Xander Clark chucking someone in, there's players not really paying attention, or like after the Pauk um, game, just immediately conceding a penalty and stuff like that. That I can be like, Naismith must be on the touchline being like, what am I meant to do there? The issue I have with Naismith is that it's twofold. Is one is the arrogance of when he came in and made digs at Nielsen being like, Hearts should have an identity. Hearts fans don't settle for 1-0 wins and won't play for a draw and stuff like that we want to be constantly pushing I've not seen that once this season once and secondly I knew what Nielsen's plan was I knew what Stendhal's plan was no matter how mental it was I knew what Levine's plan was no matter how boring it could be I knew what Cathro's plan was no matter how fucking weird and esoteric it could be the big the most damning indictment I can say for Naismith is I've never once this season went I know what our plan here is 
it feels like 10 outfield players have just been told, go and do something and try and not concede and hope that that guy with a number nine can just score and get us out of the shit. And so often he has, but he's not going to be here forever. I don't think he could be in two weeks. So therefore, yeah, it's that's the worst thing. I, I could even suck it up and be like, right, okay, I disagree with the style, but it's a style. It's like, there isn't even a style. So go to Parkhead like that. It's like, right? We're just going to get, but, but I was saying to you before we started recording, the most Stephen Naismith thing ever would be winning at Parkhead. We will not win at Parkhead. No, no we chance. will not. But it would be, and then we get. We're due in the Parkhead. We are. But the law of averages says that, like, like it's, it's been what sixteen years in the making. Yeah. yeah. Imagine if it's him who gets it. <laughs> <laughs> All these pantheon of great managers we've had haven't been able to do it, and then the wee guy on work experience turns up and fucking does it. Oh, I'd love I, it. I'd I, absolutely oh, love it. It would be objectively funny. He he needs a win like that. I think he, does. he needs a statement win to kind of say, sort of like you've said there. Here's here's what I'm doing. Yeah, you're with me or you're not. He needs he needs a back and he Believe needs a, he needs a statement victory. I'm not saying this as someone who is like I now hope Naismith's shit to prove me right. I want him. He get a amazing win at Parkhead and lift up his wee grey hoodie with just up you McIver on his thing right? <laughs> that's what I want more than anything I just worry that it won't be the case and we'll get beat at Parkhead then all the pressure's on him for St Mirren and it's then a it's a derby game. oh god <laughs> don't Merry that. Christmas everybody optimism <laughs> it's the most wonderful time of the year spreading yeah. some festive cheer here we go exactly However, the end is near to this podcast and we, we will head on into the quiz. Um, yeah, right. this, this could be really rubbish given that it got to six o'clock and we recorded <laughs> half past seven and I went, oh shit, I've not put together a quiz. So this well, could be really quite rubbish. I'm on a lot of antibiotics, so let's see how it affects my brain. <laughs> nice. First question. Uh, well, what have we got in here? We've got a multiple choice. We've got a... Um, a true or false, and of course the the who am I to finish? Right, first question: Who is the only player with a better goal ratio than Lauren Shankland for Hearts this century? Oh, there's one name that immediately popped into my head. Okay, it might be wrong. Is it Z Fuke? It is. Correct. Yes! Yeah. I was going to say him or Beatty. They were the two that came in my head. I was short like, spells. Short spells who yeah. fucking scores loads of goals. Yeah, I found, I found that on Heart of Standard, but I, d- I don't know the stats. I've not got them because yeah. uh, I've not paid for Heart of Standard yet. So I literally clicked on the clicked on the article, scrolled all the way through, saw the answer. I was like, yeah, I'll take that. Done. Does it? I think Z-Fuke I want to say like 12 and 15 or something like that. Oh, I was going to say 17 and 16. Oh, I think God that's knows. what it was. I don't know, maybe. I'll find out right now as you're talking. And okay. I, I can do both things. I can answer questions and do research. All right. I'll take your word for it. Um, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> no, I, I actually thought that the quiz that I'd put together in the last podcast was all right. It, it was really good. I feel and really it, bad. I smashed it. I got five out of five, everybody. Go hey, out without asking any questions. Such a liar. <laughs> so, Elias McAlunas called time when he's playing career last month. But how many caps did Lithuania's all-time appearance holder accrue Daniel McIver? Was it A, 91, B, 101, C, 111, or D, 121? 
I would like to first say you got it spot on. You played 15, scored 12. 12 and 15, yeah, there you go. Not bad. Right. Surely Miko got over 100 caps. I'm discounting 91. Okay. Did you say 101, 111, 121? I did. I don't think he'll have got as many as 121. Interesting, okay. I think he's a sentimental man. I think he would have just got over 100 and retired. So I'm going for B. You are two from two. 101 caps. Get it's in, Miko! Come on! What Antibiot- I should just take antibiotics every <laughs> single week and we'll be in. I miss that man. Yeah, I love so Miko this. He was a wee shithouse. Yeah, just... My favourite players ever. Oh, absolute hero. Do you remember when Hearts fans were booing him because he died against- for Lithuania? I made against me Scotland. love him more. Oh, I didn't think of a shit. Sheer shithouse, he? Yeah, absolutely respect it. Fought linesman. <laughs> what a, what a guy. <laughs> Even even in that uh, set, was it the semi against Tibbs where he's like right. picking up the corner flag and he's yep. just waving it? He's getting stamped on to make them go down to 10 men. Was it Sprawl? I think was it was. Sprawl, like eh? Yeah, what a guy. What a guy. Third question, and I alluded to this Kilmarnock registered their second victory over Celtic this season on Sunday. What a joke they asked about it. <laughs> True or false? The last time Kelly achieved this. Hearts won the league. I think we won the league. Did you give me a year or am I allowed a year? I, I gave it earlier on in the podcast. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I, 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 no, I feel like I'll give it away if I, if I say the year. Yeah, that's fair. Don't give me a year. I think we won the league the year before. So I'm going to say False. How, how do you stumble into the correct answer with the wrong logic? It really irritates me. It is false. Yeah. So this, this, wait to hear this. So this was in the 1964-65 season. Now my dad was born in 65. However, Kilmarnock picked us to the league title on goal average. We would have won the league had it came down to goal difference. Rangers... And Celtic's finishes are incredible. So it's Kilmarnock, Hearts, in third and fourth were Dunfermline and Hibs. Amazing. Rangers finished fifth. Celtic finished eighth. <laughs> and they were behind Dundee and Clyde. Amazing. That is just inconceivable to me. That's great. That is genuinely remarkable. The important placement from all of that is I am now three for three. Somehow. Absolutely <laughs> disgustingly. I should have taken this quiz more seriously. I should have started, should have started questions. I'm Some going to get them all right except the who am I and hate my life. That is ultimately what I hope for. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Question number four. Speaking about that Kilmarnock game, that was Brendan Rodgers' 10th domestic defeat as Celtic manager. What percentage are Hearts responsible for in his losses? Right. Obviously. The un- so ultimately, out of the ten, how many yeah. have we... Right, well, at least one, because of the 4-0. Mm-hmm. I think we beat them in the... Is this in all competitions, sorry, or just all the league? Com- all, all competitions. Did we beat them in the cup? I can only, I genuinely, I can only think of that one game. But I feel like it's not, I feel like 
It's too obvious if it's 10%. Do we beat them twice? Obviously, we've not beat them in his current stint, but did we beat him twice in his first stint? I'm gonna I can't think of if we did, so I'm gonna go ten percent. I think we beat them once. McIver, we beat them twice. When? The other game you're gonna be so annoyed was on your birthday, I believe, the Kyle Lafferty winner. Oh, was he manager then? He I didn't think he was then. manager then. I tell you ah, what. Out out the out the ten, I'll be very impressed if you can give me the rest of them, because I couldn't believe this when I saw it. Uh, I could name you eight other teams if you want, because that's well, as I, high I, a chance. Sure, Rangers. Three. There's four other teams beat him. Rangers was one one victory, and that was the day that we beat Hibs at Easter Road with Ollie Lee. They won one nil uh, uh, in the old firm okay. Ryan Jack. If you remember through Scott Brown's legs. I remember no. watching that, and I remember watching that in the boozer before my first trip to Easter Road. You do have to remember. I think I've watched two old firms in my life, That's fair. and they've both been the last like three years. <laughs> um, Hebs also beaten twice. Okay, right. Because you said that, I'm going to name a random Dundee. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, Motherwell. Right, a decade because I'm not just going to list every top Think of who's flight. Traditionally, team. up towards the top ends. Aberdeen. Aberdeen was one. Rangers one. Hibs two. Hearts two, and the other four. Kilmarnock. Yeah. Interesting. Forty percent of his losses as Celtic manager have come to Kilmarnock. That is crazy to me. And That's two of which have come this season. That's crazy. Absolutely wow. baffling. However, we are into the who right. am I? And I've got the fear that we've done this guy before. I beg that we haven't, though. Okay. What happens if we have? Do I just get the point? Uh, we've yeah, never had we, this. Yeah, but you got the last question wrong, so yeah, we'll go with that. All right, thanks. Since it's not a five, so. Thanks. Thank you. Cheers. You're welcome, mate. It's that or, or that or we just go away for like half an hour and I just... I just like, <laughs> exactly. That would be amazing, actually. No, we should yeah, that. just but leave it in. Just half an hour of silence. <laughs> <laughs> the gap, a massive yeah. gap. People will be like, what the hell is this hour and a half Fuck long me, episode for? Two hours <laughs> this week. Christ, fair play them. Right. Right, here you go. I was once compared to the most famous footballer to ever emerge from my country. After attracting reported interest from Liverpool and Celtic, I joined the Jambos for a suspected £125,000 fee on a two-year deal with a further five-year option, as my parents flew over to Edinburgh and accompanied me. I was named as one of the top 50 young footballers in the world, but was unable to break into the Hearts team, eventually going AWOL before returning home, where I would never leave for the rest of my career. Who am I? Bloody hell. So we signed a wonder kid who ended up being shit, basically. (laughs) Not like us. Not like us. Eh, right. Between what years did this man play for us? You love that question. You love that question. I love it. I need somebody to go off. 2007 and 2009. That's a bad two years. Right. I'm actually going to get their London hearts up as well. 
first clue does not help me. Second clue does not help me. Third clue does not help me. It's a bad set of clues this week for me. <laughs> um, try and like big players for nations that could then be comparable to players who end up in Gorgie. It's a short list. <laughs> like apart from Kevin McKenna, the greatest Canadian of all time. I don't think it's Kevin McKenna, considering it's the years that he said. I'm now trying... I, I'm worried if I double bluff myself trying to think of plays we've previously done. <laughs> that I was my fault. Bad. That was I my know, fault for, you've put that for chucking out that suggestion. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's any point in asking me the position because I just won't get that. Okay. You imagine it would be an attacker, but I just don't think that would mean anything because the only reason I say that is because I assume... If you're being compared to like a great player, you're probably gonna be in that so did you say oh seventy oh nine? Yes. So is this like Shaba Laszlo times? I'm pretty sure Shaba was manager then. Oh eight oh nine I think was Shaba. Eh right. Do I ask nationality? Oh, this is when we had Hunters of Lithuanians. So if you say Lithuania, I'm knackered. But if you say a different nationality, I might be quids in. Because there's like three others to choose for Scottish and Summit. It's up to you whether you've got to take that risk, McIver. There's no point in asking clubs because I, I'm not good enough to know the nation by certain clubs unless you were like. If I gave like a location away, that might. Age you, but, yeah. I was like, they're Spanish, but like Dinamo Zagreb, you could at least yeah. say they're Croatian. So I feel like I should. Right. What nation is this man from? This man is Romanian. Ah, oh, that is the worst. <laughs> right, so he's compared to Haji. I'll Correct. be honest. <laughs> Good knowledge. I'll be honest. Didn't they care we ever had a Romanian play for us? McIver, I'm, I'm amazed. When I saw this, I saw this ages ago, and I left the name in the notes because I do not remember this bloke at all. Romanian barely kicked the ball for us, so I'll be astonished if you remember him. Now I'm doing that thing in my head, where I'm like, "What name sounds Romanian that I can think of?" <laughs> Is it? Would, <laughs> I was going to say Janos Barlock was around that time, but he's. He was Hungarian, Bulgarian, I can't remember. Hungarian, I think. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, he would have been Kishaba's Hungarian. Yes, of course, of course, yeah. of course. His countrymen. Right, right we're Talk going into just territory of, I don't know, a single Romanian, so I'm going to try and think of a name that played around that time. <laughs> that I know isn't Lithuanian, which is hard, because they fucking all were. The only name that's come to my head, by the way, this is not my guess, is Karapidis, who I knew is Greek. Like, <laughs> it's no him, but he's the only name that's come to my head. I dare want to be offensive and just say a name that vaguely sounds Romanian <laughs> and hope I get the right syllables together. I'm trying... Do you know what I want to do? I want to say Haji's son, and I can't remember his first name as a joke. 
but I can't even remember Giannis his first Hadji. name. Yanis Hadji. I was going to just be like, is it him? Even though he would have been eight I'll or give something. You, I'll give you a clue, it's not. Okay, thank you for that. <laughs> You're and I have a feeling it's not actual Hadji either, who <laughs> was retired definitely. Hadji who's then. dubbed the new Hadji. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's that good. They can't produce anybody else, so he just comes back around again. He'd be in the new one. Right, my answer is... Marion Kello <laughs> the Slovenian man was he Slovenian or Slovakian or Serbian I don't know I, don't know. I get them all mixed up one of the Marion Kello was Slovakian Slovakian there we go well that's my guess is it maybe dual nationality with Romania is he I'm sad to report that is not the case uh, the, the man in question is and I really hope I'm not butchering the pronunciation here <laughs> Is Dimitru Kopil. That's a drink, mate. That's no <laughs> man's name we played for us. He came to prominence in December 2006 when it was reported that Liverpool and Celtic were interested in signing him. Coincidentally, on that link, uh, is Hearts could beat Celtic to Kopil is a BBC Sport article. No, it's not. Um, this man didn't. Hearts could yet win the race, the signing race for the highly rated 17-year-old Romanian Dimitri Kopil. The, the teenager was quoted in the Daily Record saying that a January move to Celtic was 90% complete, but Kopil's agent, Adrian Stefanescu, of the Stellar Group agency, told BBC Scotland the offer from Hearts is bigger than the one from Celtic. I think Dimitri will choose Hearts. I spoke with him and he likes very much the city and the people that he met. Uh Kopil is highly regarded in Romania and has been likened to the legendary George Hadji and his coach at Atletico Arad Arpad Shizernetsky thinks Kopil is one of the biggest talents in his native land. He is like Hadji but Frank Lampard would be the closest British equivalent to him in terms of playing style and aggression. There were offers from Hearts and Liverpool but I have decided to go to Glasgow, Kopil explained to the Daily Record. I really enjoyed my time at Hearts and I wanted to become a member of that team after they showed such interest in me. But a week after the Hearts trial, Liverpool contacted me and I went there too. I liked Liverpool but I still felt the best place to develop was at Hearts and then came the chance to go to Celtic. After spending time there I decided that Celtic was the best option for me. Yada, yada, yada. What I want more than anything now is to play for Celtic, to have a good first year with them and reach as high as I can. I still have studies to complete and in an ideal world I would like to finish them but I have to give football my full commitment. He ended up at Hearts. Um, in November 2007 the magazine World Soccer named Copil among the top young 50 footballers in the world now I had the photo of literally some of these names and some of them were astonishing if I can find it I'll get it up because it was it was really good but in terms of like other questions um, well yeah just just went AWOL and literally did not leave Romania after after his time at Hearts, which was quite sad, but hey ho, I really want to see this this top fifty now because I recognise some of the names on it as well. Listen, I really respect that you've got the honest effort to make a fake guy and make a Wikipedia <laughs> for him and all this part, right? But that's in that's not in that's not how the game works. You can't do that. Sorry, Sorry. right? That's, so that's I think funny. I should get the point. Because you, you've made that... What the fuck do you mean I think we've done this person before? What are you talking about? I, I don't know. It's just that he's one of them that I just feel like he was... He was one of those. Oh, here it is. Right, so I've just typed in Dimitri Kopil on Twitter and Joel Skeds actually searched the piece. So, no, he's not. You've but, put them up to us and all. So listen to this. So Alexander Pato, I'm trying to look at like recognisable nice. names, was in third. 
uh, Brazil and obviously AC Milan. Anderson at Man United, fourth. Giovanni dos Santos in fifth. Gareth Bale in sixth. Uh, Sergio Aguero, seventh. Boyan in eighth. Uh, Angel Di Maria in eleventh. Uh, Franco de Santo, who I believe got moved to Chelsea, uh, was thirteenth. Karim Benzema in fifteenth. Dimitri Kopil of Heart and Midlothian in sixteenth. Uh, just above Fabio da Silva, the the Man United fullback. Uh, Fabio Contrao, Marwan Fellaini, uh, Lorenzo de Silvestri, Tony Kroos, Juan Mata. Uh, who else is in the list? Mesut Ozil, Renato Augusto, Henri Saivet, Micah Richards, <laughs> Alexis Sanchez. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Saivet? Like, yeah. like Henri, Newcastle Henri Saivet, yeah. Uh, Micah Richards, Alexis Sanchez, Ivan Rakitic, Carlos Vela, Theo Walcott, Gregory van der Veel, Ever Benega, all in that list. And Demetrio, there he was. Right, I know how bad that list was though, because Saive was at Newcastle for about seven and years honking. and played five times. I don't even think Copiel got off the bench for us in a competitive game. There you go. Well, if any of you got that, Christ, the, need to get some new hobbies for Christmas. Yeah, Never mind. The top fifty, <laughs> I, th- I think, stuff. could give that away. Yeah, um, that's mental. But I was having a look here. You mentioned about Shaba. So he was persuaded to return but told to stay away until pre-season training began in June 2008. The Lithuanian owners of the club suspected that he was only coming back in order to be paid over the summer break. <laughs> Copiel's homesickness and frustration at his absence of first-team football continued in 2008-9 with Hearts manager Stephen Frail before Shab had even got the job, stating that he was not yet good enough to play in the SPL. Left Hearts in January 2009 at the culmination of his initial two-year deal, Hearts had reneged on the five-year option but was offered a one-year extension which they claimed entitled him to a transfer fee when he moved on needless to say he went back to Romania never to be seen again mental absolutely mental but I'll take three to five I'm chuffed with that, that starting off very strongly so let us know how you got on with that and again we're hugely sorry especially me for the delay and break that we had that was not planned I'm sorry for planned. turning out a pish episode in its absence but that's hey. life We've it's had 140 great. plus pish episodes, so it's, it's all Everybody's good used to it at this yeah, point. Exactly. And yeah. if you are used to it, let us know what you think. At Perth Paisley on all forms of social, if you've been listening to this, please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. If you've been watching this, please leave a like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. Perth to Paisley at gmail.com as well. If you want to fire off over any emails at all, Adam, where can they get you and all the socials? Uh, you can get me on all the socials looking at World Soccer's uh, 2007 Top 50 Wonder Kids at Adam T. Kendall. What about yourself, mate? I'm at DMcIver22. We'll be back next week to discuss all the fallout from Parkhead. I cannot wait for that. Preview the St. Mirren game and anything else that happens in between. But until then, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Ah!